0: Hello, everybody. Hey, I'm Matt. I'm Zach. And this is MZ Car Guys Podcast. You can find us on all the social media at MZ Car Guys.
1: Or if you want to drop us a line, you can get us at MZ at gmail.com. Um, so, this is going to be kind of an interesting thing. Matt and I are trying something different. Um, so, on I believe it's November 15th. Um, the movie Ford versus Ferrari is coming out. And so Matt and I are going to one, we're going to do our first ever uh, actual like film review. Um, Cause I think this is right up our wheelhouse. This is information we've been actually kind of talking about before. Uh, but we're going to try to do our podcast between now and then um, we're going to try to do, different pieces of uh, different different backgrounds and different things that the movie is going to uh, discuss. Um, and I think Matt, maybe we should start with the actual 24 Hour of Le Mans.
0: Yeah. Um, it's changed a bit over the years, but uh, the basic <laughs> um it's it's still hail, held um at la circuit de Sartre, Sarthe S A R T H E uh and uh of course if you're local it's called uh uh le le vanquater du mont um sorry my french left me for a second i apologize to all your francophiles my uh, my french never arrived <laughs> and uh it's partly held on public roads, which is not commonly known. Um, and it's it's this amazing circuit. And it's 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 most most famous for something called the Molson Strait, which used to be this uh, three and a half mile long straightaway, where even back in the 60s, cars were doing well over 200 miles an hour on the straight before having to break like a madman for essentially a 90 degree curve. Uh, and is more this- circuits since. Was it? Is it more than ninety degrees? Okay, it's more than I, ninety I, degrees. Yeah, I've it's, only played it, it in video games, so I can't remember. I
1: I have too, but I've also watched, uh, you know, video of it and stuff like that, and and uh, and I watched it from a uh, from a, a driver's perspective on the car, and uh, yeah, because with a ninety degree, you can at least come in and look over and kind of see where you're going. Right. How this kind of goes is it's behind your peripheral vision. So, so like you're looking out, like almost, you like like you almost have to look back over your right shoulder to see where you're actually gonna go.
0: Oh, to where the corner exit is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And the
1: most on and the most on straight is is the road section. That's the actual like like actual like street road.
0: Yes. Yeah. So is that portion? Right. Um. And so what they've what they've done since then, as a matter of safety, is they've actually put and this is not exactly in the film, but it's still worth knowing that they put in a, a, a kink, so to speak, but there's a, a mild sort of a corner that goes in to force everyone to yeah. slow down so we're not hitting. Yeah, there's two... Yeah,
1: there's two... yeah They've added several chicanes throughout. Um, and we'll talk... Which is a in the yeah. Well, and and I and we'll talk about the most famous one, uh, which is the reason you know before it, it's kind of Le Mans can be uh, it, it can be kind of done in two separate eras. It's before 1955 and after 1955.
0: And yes. so the entire very, very important year in the in the history of
1: the uh, auto racing in general, actually.
0: Um, yeah. Yeah, um, 1955 almost killed the 24-hour race entirely.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, um, so the history of Le Mans, um, it, it it's it's a it's a twi- it's it's different than than any other race out there because when it was uh, started uh, in in 1923 um sorry um so when it was started in 1923 uh it as opposed to most races which is you have a certain number of laps and whoever is there at the end of the race first to complete all those laps that's the winner that's very easy to plan for because you know how long the you, you know how long the track is you know um how many laps there are so therefore you can kind of calculate okay so if i'm driving this many laps i'm gonna need tires at such and such i'm gonna need to get gas at such and such you know
0: so forth <laughs> Right, right. With, the, the, I mean, you know the total distance traveled before you start, which tells you to plan ahead for certain things because you tested the car already.
1: Yeah, but with this, it's very, very difficult because with this 24-hour format, which was revolutionary at the time, um, it's, it's whoever in a 24-hour period of time can complete the most laps. Yeah. And drivers nowadays are averaging over 3,000 miles a race.
0: Yeah. Yeah. 3, the uh, miles. It was not that many years ago that they, they broke the 5,000 kilometer barrier for yeah. those of you who like the metric stuff. So, 5,000 kilometers in 24 hours is. It's a lot. Well, it's it's basically from LA to New York City.
1: Yeah, for for the Americans, and um, I think the I I think I think uh, I think Paris to Rome is roughly the same distance. If memory uh, serves you
0: right, uh, I'm I I cannot I can either deny nor nor corroborate your claims on that, but that doesn't seem far enough.
1: Okay, I, will, I I will go ahead, Matt. I will uh I will take a look.
0: Okay. So so Le Mans is a big deal and it's it's famous enough that certain <clears throat> pardon me, certain sections of the race are actually known by by different common names. Like there's the Porsche curves and they've been forever known as the Porsche Curves. There's the there's the Dunlop Bridge, Dunlop tires, and there's just you know, when you pass under the Dunlop Bridge, it's like it's a big deal. There's a um, a certain section of the course that's where the sort of the grandstands are, and where almost where almost all the, uh, you know, all, all the people who are watching, are. Uh, that's it's not the only area you can be. But the other thing that makes the 24 hours a really big deal is, you're racing at night for a big portion of the race. Yeah, you're in France and it's August, so it's not like it's 12 hours of nighttime racing, but it's a really significant chunk, and it changes everything, because although you'd think you'd go slower. As you're looking for, you know, looking out for safety and your headlights are trying to track, you know, where the track is, where the other cars are. In In actuality, you're going faster because the denser, cooler air at night allows the engine to operate more efficiently and you go even faster. So it's doubly scary. On top of that, you have at least three classes of cars in the race. Everything from GT3 on up, and GT3 cars might have—I don't know. Let's just let's just say uh, they're two-thirds as powerful as the top-end cars. It's, yeah, you know, to give it a rough a sort of sort of idea number, right? I want to say it's like 500 horsepower is the maximum, something like that. So, but then you have cars in GT2 and GT1, which is just Grand Touring, but it's basically it's a it's supposed to be uh, different levels of modified modifications you can make to an existing streetcar, Right. So the, yeah. the higher, the number, the less modifications you're allowed to do. And then there's LMP one, which is Lamar Le prototype level one. And these are cars where it's almost unrestricted. So you have like complex hybrid systems. You've got cars that look like spaceships. You've got these almost like what looks like a sail on the side of it, which improves high speed stability and cornering. Um, Crazy stuff, and all these cars going around the same track. But on the most on straight, for example, you might have a GT3 doing I don't know, let's just say 200, and the LMP1's doing 225. So that's that's a big difference. Um, so it's crazy is an understatement. Um, the the drinking there is insane. Uh, the, the it's basically a 24 hour party during the race, you know, virtually no one sleeps. And it's it's just—it's incredible—and you know, the racing season is almost marked by this, by this one race, as being like this is the one, right? Well, I mean, everyone is—it's—it's—it's like the Tour de France of car racing, almost.
1: Yeah, I mean, and 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 even though, even though, um, you know, 2018 cars are. Vastly, you know, improved over the last, you know, almost hundred years. Um, in two thousand and eighteen, of the sixty cars that started, only forty-one finished the race. Wow! I mean, and that's, I mean, and, and that's with brand new technology.
0: So, I mean, that's, right? But that's that's a combination too. has a combination of mechanical failure and crashes. And the crashes are incredible.
1: By the way, um, in typical American fashion, I have no idea what the distances are in uh, you know the rest of the world. Uh, for, uh, it's roughly the distance from Paris to Cairo through Israel.
0: <laughs> How far is it, by the way, from Paris to Rome? Is it roughly like from from so to Los
1: Angeles. Paris to Rome, it's, uh, it's uh, hold on, hold on. Uh, damn it. it was, uh, <laughs> I put it on there and I just, I was like, all right, never mind. Because
0: um, I was like, that doesn't sound even close to being right.
1: Well, yeah. It, the it was, US
0: is a big place. Europe is not.
1: Give me kilometers, hold on to me. That's uh, like, do,
0: go uh, give me kilometers, I can, I can convert my head
1: uh 1421 kilometers
0: okay um give me a second so that is going to be roughly 900 miles so that's it's paris to rome is about la to san francisco and back
1: yeah so. i would i would say la to maybe portland no maybe a little bit a little no, bit it's, less it's,
0: it's it's 400 miles from la to sf Four fifty at yeah. the most, so that's yeah. nine hundred round trip. So you're pretty close. Anyway, point is, or, or
1: it's freaking forever in a Honda Fit EV, <laughs>
0: so. which we wouldn't know anything about. Um, yeah. By the way, I'm I'm still amazed. Forty bucks in electricity to go nine hundred miles. I know that was insane. You know, there's so there's there's the upside of EVs right there, although who knows what superchargers are going to cost, you know, for those of you who have a model three. Um, well, we, we we do plan on in the next in the next year
1: or two, uh, doing a uh, doing a trip to uh, Portland and back. Yeah,
0: different ways, in, in don't my, kill us for
1: in my clarity. Um, um
0: so, um Okay, so the, so the, the uh, Le Venture Le du Mans has is a very big race, right? It started in 1923, mm-hmm. um, and it takes a really long time, 24 hours. You go a really long distance these days in a modern car, and you used to be able to go insanely fast, and now you just go crazy fast. And um, what happened in 1955? So in nineteen,
1: yeah, let's talk about that. So, yeah.
0: because now, this, this oh, is still pre what happens in the movie. By the way, this is still pre the Ford versus Ferrari rivalry in '55. Well,
1: everything, everything. I mean, you, all right. So the the events in the movie happen less than ten years from this event. So everybody is highly aware of what has happened. And the, the actual speed of everything. Um, so yes, it does happen before the events of uh, of the race, but or, or of the movie. Um, but it is they. It, it, it has its effects on both the cars um, on the track uh, because after the events of this, they completely altered or not really completely altered, but they, they drastically changed um, the, uh, the, the, the pit road and how far the pit road was from the stands and how big the pit road was and stuff. Um but I think before we do this, um, just really quickly, um, I think that we should talk about other than the, 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 the endurance, the, the, the 24-hour format of the race, I think we should talk about the other thing that makes the 24 hours of Le Mans um, um, special. And that is the Le Mans start, and that yeah. that one specific thing had its impact on Porsches.
0: Yeah, and still does. And still Which does to to this, to this super, day. Super annoying to me.
1: So so people who are in Porsches, you understand this. Uh, but for those of you who are maybe not aware, so in every single regular car, when you get in, the key, uh, the the uh, where you put the key in at, and I'm yeah, talking,
0: talking
1: about left-hand drive. Yeah, if there is one. Um, even no, 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 I even think the uh, the start button is the exact same way. Uh, no, not necessarily. Really. <clears throat> but anyways, so but any Porsches that have keys. Are almost all Porsches that have keys the the lock cylinder, the actual ignition lock cylinder, is to the left of the steering wheel on on, on, on left-hand drive cars, um, otherwise known as proper drive cars. Right. Um, shout out to because we, drive, okay. we drive, right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> shout out to Jeremy Clarkson. Um, yeah. anyway, but that was so that they could do this Le Mans start, and uh, could actually increase their their thing. And
0: uh, basically, increase the reaction time to get on the track faster. So the Le Mans start here. is
1: so the Le start is where the drivers stand off to the side. All of the cars are are parked at, on the grid, ready to go, but they're shut off. And so you have to start racing from cold, which is really, really important. Let me, let me restate this. The Le Mans start means that all of the vehicles start from cold. There's no warming them up. There's no getting them to operating temperature. So all of these super high horsepower engines and, You know, that are just, you know, as, as, as fragile as rice paper, you have to jump in, crank them up and start racing immediately from cold. And,
0: and the tires are cold, which means they have, have
1: and the tires are cold. The, the drivers has to, has to jump in the car and buckle themselves up and get the car started and everything.
0: Because the drivers don't buckle themselves up in a Le Mans start, yeah, because it takes too long. They'd rather just yep. go, and then they try to buckle themselves. They say that I sorry. There's a documentary called uh, "The 24 Hour War" on Amazon Prime. i watching, and basically what they do is they drive unbuckled, at ungodly speeds until they get to the Moson straight, and they have enough time to buckle up while. Doing <laughs> 200 miles an hour on the on straight That's when they buckle. They take both hands off the wheel at one point at 200 miles an hour so they can buckle up and, and keep racing.
1: Yeah. Which so, I'm sure which, which yeah, I'm sure, sure. The, the 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 race you know, the the race uh, promoters were not too happy to hear about.
0: <laughs> right, right. You know, but of course they could, if, if questioned they would always claim, oh yes sir, no absolutely I buckled up completely before I left the starting line. Yeah. You know, But there's clear footage of racers getting in. As soon as the helmet is inside and the door is shut, they've already got their foot to the floor and they're gone. Um, yeah. With the other thing that it caused, which is not really obvious until you watch some of this stuff, is let's say you've got two guys, right? And they are hmm. 10 spaces apart. Um, and the way it works is the cars are all at a 45 degree angle off the, off the track on one side and the driver's on the other side and they have to have sprint across the track to get to the car so let's say so joe is 10 spots like 12 spots in line whatever he is he's down the line a bit right and he gets a great start and he's out on the grid and the car's moving well his his competitor sam gets in a car has a little bit trouble starting it car doesn't want to start right away and Mm -hmm. doesn't get off as quickly well guess what joe's already coming up to speed as sam is coming onto the track and they hit each other not a very high speed but you've had a collision before you even get 10 feet down the track So, you're already dealing with a compromised body work on a car, and you've got 23 hours and 58 minutes to go.
1: Yeah. Well, (laughs) even that. Yeah. So, So
0: but yeah, it's so, so, so that's a lot of problems with it. Thank God they got rid of it. Yeah. So, So, so to finish up the conversation, why is, why does a Porsche have, why does a Porsche put the key in on the left side to the left of the steering wheel on a left hand drive?
1: Well, I mean, and, and you kind of you know alluded to this, and that was so that the driver can jump into the car, be turning the key with his left hand, and be putting the car into first gear because they're left in neutral. They're not left in, they're not left in drive, right? Uh, with, with a stick shift, so that way that they, the driver can get in, be cranking the car up, and putting it into first gear, as he's going. So 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 it it shaved. They they found that it shaved like a few seconds off of the start, and Porsches were able to jump out ahead of everybody else. And so, yeah. you know, which in a twenty-four hour race meant whatever.
0: It really so, shouldn't matter.
1: It, it really shouldn't matter because yeah, you are, you know, in an endurance race, and as long as your car doesn't break up or anything like that. So the 1955 Le Mans, um so it was into hold on i can't remember how far they were into it um,
0: it was it was it was daylight that much i know
1: yeah it was daylight so i think it was the next day um uh, details. Hold on. Do, 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 do.
0: Yeah, it's so, right. so the
1: accident happened at 626 p.m. No, no, no. The first day. So it happened at 626 p.m. Uh, yeah. at the end of lap 35 uh, when they were first starting to pit. And these these were the lead cars. And um, uh, uh, Pierre Bouillon who raced under the name Pierre LeVay, whatever um, <clears throat> he was uh, he was in a Mercedes Benz uh, 300 SLR and the the reason why they they had to change um, the, uh, the 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 pit road um, is because <clears throat> before before this and, and during this race the the um, there was no, there was no slowdown spot. There was no deceleration spot going into the pit lane. You basically went from racing speeds, slamming on the brakes, jumping over into the pit road. Also, the the pit road end was within was within 50 feet of the grandstands and there was no high fence or anything like that. So what happened was, is he was, he was jumping over. Um, There was, he he was trying to pit at the same time that around him, some cars were jockeying for position. So some cars were dropping per position. He's trying to get over. He is bumped. He sent airborne into the crowd and 80 people lost their lives. Um,
0: and it was... And the, car, and the car burst into flames.
1: Yeah, the car burst into flames. Um, they're pretty sure that he died almost instantly. Um. Because it wasn't wasn't the car caught on fire. I mean, the car literally just exploded. Um, and yeah. and it's you know I'm I'm not gonna. They actually uh, on the on the Wikipedia uh, thing talk about um, it's it's physical impact on the crowd, and I don't wish to go into that because that's a little bit dark. Um, <clears throat> but what caused this uh, one? Mercedes dropped out of racing for a very long time. From this, Mercedes completely got out of racing. It was such an impact on them, um, which caused uh, Ferraris to rise up. Because at the time, Mercedes were they were they were the racing phenomenon in in uh, in, in in Le Mans so the other thing that caused from this is they completely redid um you know they they expanded the uh um the the pit road they they made it much wider they made it so that there was an actual deceleration spot and they also added a little bit of um a little bit more uh, distance between pit road and the stands. So, so a lot of a lot of safety stuff happened. Also, I think from this, um, <laughs> uh, you know, at this particular point, cars didn't have uh, didn't have um, racing harnesses or seatbelts or anything uh, right. because. They were- well, and and that was because the the prevailing wisdom was people were drivers were more afraid of getting burned alive in a car, yeah, which was real fear. Um, it so was they a real would, of the yeah they would rather be thrown clear of the automobile than 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 burn up. Um, So, but, you know, they, they now started to, um, uh, you know, they, they now started to, to implement, uh, um, oh crap. Um, yeah, seatbelts and, and other safety regulations. Um, the one thing that though, so, um you know, Lance Macklin is the one who, who accidentally hit the other guy in the Mercedes. Um, and the thing that caught him, um, kind of out of sequence. And the reason why he ended up hitting him, um, is because the Mercedes was using disc brakes. So the Mercedes was able to stop a whole lot quicker than, than, than what Macklin was used to in his Jaguar. Cause Macklin's in a Jaguar and all of a sudden, you know, with drum brakes, And so he knows, okay, there's a certain amount of distance and all of a sudden, you know, uh, you know, you know, the other guy's using, you know, disc brakes just kind of, you know, so you have a lot of things kind of happening at this particular point. So, after 1955 kind of making a long story long um is you have some really serious you know thoughts about safety become you know come to the forefront also um peep drivers are now starting to look at oh wait a minute disc brakes hello (laughs)
0: Yeah, it's a huge it's advantage, you okay. know. The big it's it's not intuitive to think that brakes make you faster around a racetrack, but when you stop and realize that if you can stop more aggressively, if you can stop faster, that means you can carry speed later into the straightaway or into the corner before you have yeah. to slow down because you can decelerate more quickly. So you actually go around the track faster because you spend less time on the brakes and more time on the gas. Yeah. So. That so, also allows you to merge faster in situations that are like that where it's like oh crap i'm about to hit this guy
1: yeah but i mean it's it's but this also you know we we start to see the the rise of ferrari um at at the 24 hours of the Mans. you know you you start to have the you know and and this is where we get into um you know, are you know that's that's where the, the movie comes into is it's you know Ferrari I think hold on let me let me try to find a uh uh winners yeah it's a list of Ferrari winners so nineteen fifty five um so you have starting in nineteen fifty eight a Ferrari win 1960 Ferrari win 1961 Ferrari win 1962 Ferrari win 1963 Ferrari win 1964
0: 65 all Ferraris and then there's a gap
1: and then there's this really interesting four year gap and Ferrari Ferrari's next win. uh,
0: (laughs) It's taken a while. It's never. Wow. 1965. Sorry, was the last time? Yeah,
1: 1965 was Ferrari's last win. Um, And then it gets really kind of dominated by um, Porsche for quite a while.
0: Yeah, a very long time.
1: Yeah. But.
0: And, and then later, Audi in the early 20, 21st century.
1: Yeah. But I mean, you know, I mean, but I mean, you have literally starting in 1960 all the way through 65.
0: Yeah. 58 yeah. through 65. Is that what you said? Well, 58 through 65 so, minus 59. That's, that's still, that's incredible dominant period. I mean, and the thing oh, yeah. was, had one car it was they kept evolving it was basically one car it was a correct me here i think it was the infamous three liter v12 that,
1: i think so i think i think you're correct
0: one, once they moved it they moved it behind the driver it was a front engine they won with the front engine they moved it behind the driver they kept it longitudinal and they kept winning and they just, yeah. you know, would tweak things here and tweak things there and adjust the suspension, make sure everything was right. Il Comandatore, uh, Enzo Furry, would, uh, you know, be his usual domineering self and uh, make sure everything was just right. And boom, and the winds kept coming. Oh, by the way, real quick. Okay. So at one point, je- uh, I'm getting tired. I'm sorry. At one point, my my colleague and I were casually talking about international racing and how every country has its own colors right now italy is red and and britain is is dark green and germany is black and so on that actually comes up at le mans in this time <laughs> period in the yeah. mid-20th century and even before that in le mans american cars were white with a blue stripe the Ferraris were uh, all red alfa romeo if they participated they would have been red
1: and so yeah, on uh, the French
0: were blue, blue. Right, we're up this beautiful shade of like medium to light blue, and so I, I, you could tell from the stands what country was doing where because you could just look at it and not even be able to see the numbers or anything and know exactly. who was where. Well, because it's
1: a big track.
0: Yeah, yeah, very large yes. track.
1: Uh, I I would like to point out something. I just noticed this, and I'm surprised that I didn't know this off the top of my head. Um, in 1959. Um, that kind of broke up this this Ferrari dominance for, you know, One several year. years. So, in 1959, it was won by uh, it was won by an Aston Martin. One of the drivers we'll yes. be talking about later is a certain Texan named Carroll Shelby. Yeah,
0: yeah, you, uh, you may have heard that name before, at least the last name. Yeah, he was the we we forget about talking about him before. He was kind of a how do we put this a Texas chicken farmer who uh, who made it big. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, that beautiful it's a beautiful car, beautiful dark green Aston Martin, just incredible. Um, and oh, yeah. uh, Henry, well, I'm gonna get ahead of ourselves, but it's worth mentioning. Henry Ford II saw Carroll's win at Le Mans and said. I want to hire you because I have big plans. Yeah, and I want you to be part of it. So pretty amazing stuff. Yeah. And and this is he hired him away from the AC Cobra program that that Carroll had been working on, and later the Daytona uh, Daytona Cobra Shelby Daytona Daytona yeah, Cobra Shelby. Shelby Daytona. Okay.
1: Well, the Shelby Daytona was
0: through Chrysler, which was. Are you talking uh, about the race? The race car.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. That was a Shelby Daytona.
0: Yeah, which was somehow somehow they figured out aerodynamics enough by that point to realize that the AC Cobra was like trying to push a brick through the wind, and it will not would not go over a hundred and fifty no matter what engine you put in it because it yeah. just could go through the wind any more than that. But they, but they Daytona man was developed just for that the big Daytona race, and the thing was just slippery and stuck to the ground and did all the right things. Yeah. Very beautiful car. Should we get a chance? Uh, Jay Leno has a really good episode on one of those.
1: Yeah. Anyways, but... um, So I think we now need to start talking about 1970. Because the GT40's last win was 69. And in 1970, they really... Changed um, how the race was structured, how the cars were built, the displacement. They started putting a ton of restrictions um, on the, uh, you know, on the cars, which was in direct. Uh, it was kind of indirect uh, result from the four-year dominance of, of the Ford. Now, now you have to understand what, what, how Ford was thought of um, and I guess is still kind of thought of um, and that is they made these kind of cheap people's cars yeah. Uh, and trucks. And yeah. that's
0: what they're known for. And. Right. It's, it's a really we, good point. Really good point. So when, when when Ford went to Le Mans. I should back up. When Ferrari went to Le Mans. It was a racing car company. It was it was a racing team. That was forced to build road cars. To finance their racing ambitions.
1: Oh, yeah. Henry Ford, hate, or, or Enzo Ferrari hated the idea of the fact that he had to sell
0: cars. Right. To, to, to stay afloat. Yeah. Ford was a mass-produced car company for the people that used the money from the sales from those cars to build a racing team to then go to Le Mans. So it's two, a completely opposite end of the spectrum meeting together, two opposite philosophies. And Part of the reason Ford went to Le Mans at all is because Henry Ford II offered to buy out Ferrari, and Enzo turned him down. He felt the company was undervalued, that they could get more money elsewhere.
1: Yeah, but it's how he did it. He did it, and it embarrassed him. And, and, and we'll, we'll talk about Henry Ford II uh, in, a, in a future podcast um, when we get into the actual players of it you know, the, the actual main characters, uh, in this, but, uh, yeah, he, you know, cause, um, cause I think Henry Ford II was, um, I think he was the grandson of Henry Ford. I think he was, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, yeah, he was, he was Edsel's, yeah, he was, he was Edsel's son. So he, he was a direct grandson of Henry Ford. And he really looked up to his grandfather. And if you know anything about Henry Ford, Henry Ford didn't give a damn. That man, no, not even close. Just whatever. And so the, the line in the trailer that I love the most is, we've gone to war before. We know how to go to war.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now the one, the one big difference was, the one big difference was that they did, because again, I've, I've, I haven't finished the documentary, but I, I will finish it tonight. But is that Henry Ford II was smart enough to realize that he didn't have all the answers. He didn't have a way to actually take on Ferrari and, and win by himself. And he said, and he found the smartest best minds he possibly could and brought them all together, which is why he he hired Carroll Shelby. If he tried to do it all himself, the whole thing would have failed spectacularly. doesn't matter how much money you throw at it. Yeah. And they threw a lot of money at it. And I'm just going to... Just briefly. I thought about this. I was like, wait a second. Ford was doing okay, right? In the mid 60s. And in the 50s even, right? But they weren't... They didn't have, like, stupid money because they said, like, have you you can't build a racing team from scratch in a year or two and dominate Le Mans. But they had Mustang money. And it was the Mustang money that started coming in 65 that led directly to what happened in 65 and 66 and, and onward. Yeah. And that's really important because without the Mustang, you don't have four dominance at Le Mans.
1: Well, no. Yeah, I mean, you've got... Well, I, I mean, it was it was Mustang money, but it was also um, F series pickup truck money. Yeah, because yeah. F series pickup truck became became the dominant pickup truck, uh, and uh, and I believe, uh, yeah, it's maintained that forever now. <laughs> um, yeah, incredible. Uh, yeah, yeah, but you know, and then you have still you know all the money that. You know, they because World War II really launched Ford Ford forward because the the amount of money that they invested, you know, Henry Ford was super genius. And he was able to take all of the money that they got from the government contracts and throw it right into production and building, you know, and and, you know, because he said, Yeah, sure, I'll make these tanks for you, but I need money to build the infrastructure for my for my plants. Sure, I'll build these planes for you, but I need the infrastructure to build these plants. I'll build this and this and this and this and this, but I need you to give me the money to, you know, to 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 build up. And so, you know, whereas other manufacturers were just converting their machinery to build these things, Henry Ford was like, no, 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 no. I need to completely re re uh, you know and you know innovate.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, I've completely restructure the whole plant.
1: Yeah, completely restructure the whole plant, you know, evolve, you know, evolve the entire process and so forth. And so when he came, so when it, you know, when Ford came, I, 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 always say that the biggest winner of World War II was probably
0: Ford. <laughs> well, yeah, and and by and on the, on the flip side of that, there's well, if you are a Ford person, there are Ford executives who will tell you that the, the Ford, that Ford built so many airplanes for the American forces in World War II that without the Ford factories, the U.S. couldn't have won the war. Whether that's true or not, is up for high debate, and I'm not taking position on that one. Yeah, no, I, I, that on w- I... I do have... I'm,
1: I'm, I'm like you. I'm not going to take a side on that one, but I would have to say if you were in... If you were in... Uh, if you were on the opposite side of that, if you wanted to do the counter argument to that, uh, you'd have a really hard time.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, frankly, uh, yeah. And I'm sure if you were if you were an Axis forces, you would have said, "Oh, these are all made by Ford. That's a lot of planes."
1: And it was a lot of planes. It was a ridiculous
0: yeah. amount of planes. Um, we were making faster than they can shoot them down. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, but anyways, but yeah, but they 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 changed everything in 1970, um, you know, which is when the you know the the famed Porsche 917 came out. Um, oh. Re- oh, I know, oh, I know.
0: I if if you don't know what that looks like, please do a oh. Google image search as soon as you possibly can. I I think I'm having a minor crisis thinking it's, about it's, the 919 in Gulf livery.
1: Yeah, it's yeah, it's oh. it's uh, yeah, it's um,
0: it is automotive smut. It is. <laughs> it is. Of the best, slash worst kind. Oh
1: yeah, but oh. yeah, but I mean, it was, but but they, they they wanted to. I mean, by the time, you know, by the time it got to the four, you know, the, the, the GT40 Mark four and, and, and the, uh, you know, and, and the V12 Ferrari P's, they were seven, you know, uh, you know, the Ford was seven liters, the, you know, the Ferrari was all the way up to four liters and, and it was like, okay, you, you're limited to three liters, <laughs>
0: and which which brought yeah. in of course brought in turbocharging and supercharging
1: well yeah but the the people who were right in there which is why you know you still have you know for the vast majority of the time porsches had um you know had 3 liter engines and smaller
0: mm-hmm.
1: um for the longest time uh that's why Porsche became so dominant during the 70s and the 80s and 90s. And
0: 2000s. The 2000s. <laughs> um, yeah, so but but it's a really good point. And, and to the best of my knowledge, every winning Ford at Le Mans was using a 7 liter engine or what our parents would call a 427. Yeah. Um, which is enormous. You're talking about Almost a liter per cylinder. I realize that's kind of obvious, but bear with me. But that's a really—that's those are huge pistons and huge cylinders for on a V eight engine. I mean, that and it's sitting behind the driver and making the most glorious noise. But that is a yeah. huge. That's a ton of gasoline. A ton of pit stops. I've I've never, I've
1: never heard one in person. I've never heard a GT forty in person.
0: No, neither have I. But but the recordings I, are fantastic.
1: I, I have I, I talked to a guy one time, who he was at a um. He was at a at a historic race, at uh, at Laguna Seca, and Matt, you and I have to go to one of these. But he they, like just coming down the straightaway, or the equivalent to whatever the straightaway is at Laguna Seca, Boy, um,
0: that starts up right with the grandstand.
1: Uh, no, no, um, um, on the back side of it, um, by uh, right around, yeah, right around around turn five, yeah, yeah. And he heard, you know, and the GT40 was coming by, and he said it was just so distinctive, you know, here's Mm -hmm. this, you know, you know, because you have all these V12s and flat 12s, and you know, all these air can you know, all these air cooled flat sixes, and all of this stuff and you know maybe like the old you know inline four cylinders of the old bugattis and stuff like that but then there's this huge g you know huge v8 out of those ford gt you know gt40 and he's like oh no
0: what that is <laughs> wow wow so it was, was was that the winter block or is that or winter block a little bit later because no ford does not exactly big on changing engines. it was it was it was
1: uh it was the cleveland
0: it okay, was, yeah, the one before. The the, came, yeah, the Windsor
1: came later. So, um,
0: but it's, it's it's funny that Ford used to name the engine, the block of the engine, for the city where the factory was that made it. Yep. So the Windsor was Windsor, Ontario, Canada, and Cleveland mm-hmm. is obviously Cleveland, Ohio. But uh, I still don't know where the Coyote name came from, but it doesn't really matter, I suppose. Maybe yeah. there is a city called somewhere i don't know about but but uh, anyways yeah, but amazing. You know,
1: kind of just moving on you know i mean and I, I think we have to quickly talk about you know just the dominance of of porsche um and oh, their yeah. ability to you know to just dominate lamont i mean because porsche was able to everybody was focusing on displacement, you know, no replacement for displacement. And Porsche for the longest time was dealing with high performance, low displacement. And, uh, you know, and, and the other, the other, you know, winners of course uh, was, you know, was a uh, Lotus is in there somewhere yeah. And Lotus is another team that, you know, that um, you know, has has won, you know, of several and stuff. Um, Now, I would like to point out 1991. So 1991 was it? We saw just this blip on the radar that was. Astounding and something we wouldn't see until 2018, um, and that is in 1991. You had the winner was the Mazda 787B.
0: I wouldn't advise what you're going to bring up.
1: Yeah, an absolutely insane car. Just um, uh, unfortunately, yeah, a blip. On, you know, on the, uh, how do you put it? Just, 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 just a well, little an in time. It
0: was, yeah. It was, it's the only rotary engine vehicle ever to win at Le Mans. And yeah. I believe it's the first Japanese car ever to win at Le Mans.
1: It was the first Japanese car followed by an, an, uh, Hold on, I believe I am correct. Uh, I mean, yeah, 2018,
0: 2019. Um, Toyota's uh, TS. 50
1: yeah, uh, hybrid. Yeah. 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 lmp was able to. Yeah, was able to win, but I mean the 787B. Um, now mind you, I've, I've 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 you know, I come at this from a regular you know gen x point of view which is gran turismo (laughs) um and it's it's just in i mean it's insane in the game i can only imagine what it was like you know on on the on the track and in real life i mean here you have this i think it's um The, it, was R, it was the R it was R26B. Um,
0: how many how many yeah, rotors
1: and so the, the engine? Four. Jesus. So Developing one of the things that makes
0: it Yeah, go ahead.
1: Yeah. So it was two point six liters. So it was under yeah. the three under the three liter mark. Yeah, well but it developed seven hundred horsepower. At nine thousand RPMs.
0: Yep, and ten pound feet of
1: torque. Rotary
0: engines <laughs> <laughs> <That> is <ooh>. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe known for a couple of things: one, uneven wear; two, incredible incredible horsepower per liter; and three, uh, no torque. But I'm I'm exaggerating yeah. to make a humorous point. Yeah, um, but, still, but no, that is 700, amazing.
1: Seven hundred horsepower. Um, and I, and I don't think it was turbocharged. I think it was naturally aspirated. I think, aspirated.
0: Right. I think so. Right. A naturally
1: aspirated two point six, developing seven hundred horsepower, nine thousand RPMs. Yeah. I bet you that
0: freaking screamed. No, it had to. I th- I think I actually saw a video of it. when I can't be. Sure, but I think I saw a modern video. You know, someone had revived one and took it around a track and put it through some paces. But it's just unbelievable. What you know? Oh,
1: oh, oh! So it actually produced nine hundred horsepower, but they they tuned it back to seven hundred
0: oh, for, for endurance reasons. Yeah. Yeah, so it, so it could last 24 hours and not, you know, break in half. Wow. Can you,
1: imagine, can you imagine the racing world, which has been hearing, you know, these V12s and flat sixes and, you know, V8s and V10s, and then all of a sudden this screaming rotary comes by. The, the coming of the apocalypse.
0: <laughs> Enough sound to wake the dead.
1: Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, but um, but you also you know I, I also want to bring up, um, I mean you know of course there's my there's my one of my favorite cars which is the you know the Jaguar XJR 9LM, which I love. Uh, the McLaren F1 GTR, BMW, of which, of course. Um, but I have to bring up 2006. So 2006. So Audi had kind of burst onto the scene in, in Le Mans uh, back in 2000 with just their R8. They, uh,
0: they, which they also... Porsche, which is a big, big deal. Because yeah. We're Porsche and Audi are owned by the same company. So they're kind of rivaling cousins
1: yeah so but in 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 2006 audi shocked the world i mean literally shocked the world with the the r10 tdi yeah so a turbo so the first time ever that a diesel had won and this shows the, other than the fact that it kills spotted owls as you drive by, um, but the, the true advancement and the true tech, technological advancement of, of, of Volkswagen's TDI, their, their turbo diesel injection. Um,
0: Sorry, you were saying the, yeah, uh, the, the true advancement of the system was what?
1: Well, the, 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 the true advancement of the system was the fact that the, the, the fuel mileage improved so dramatically that they were able to pit a whole lot less than other teams. Yeah. So, and so, I mean, they, they won three years in a row, you know?
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, right, right up until the hybrid systems came out, I believe.
1: Ex- well, yeah, I mean, you know, you had uh, well, I mean, Peugeot won in two thousand and nine, um, yeah. but yeah, you know, yeah, Audi came. You know, they had the R, they they had the R ten TDI that won three years in a row, then Peugeot won, and Audi came out with the R fifteen TDI, the R eighteen TDI, and then they jumped into uh, the Audi R eighteen uh, e-tron, which mm-hmm. was. Um, which was uh, a, a hybrid and they won that for a, quite a while and then all of a sudden you know i mean ever since 2012 a hybrid has won that with the same uh with the same ideas that the original tdi had and that is you you improve with um you 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 improve your standings with less pit stops.
0: Right. Right. And, you know, and you take a smaller displacement engine, you know, three liter, whatever is allowed. And then you run an incredible energy recovery system. You'd use that stored energy from the braking effectively. And the incredible thing is I read some stat that the, the Le Mans hybrid cars will go that entire 24 hour race, 5,000 kilometers and never have to change the brake beds. Yeah on a race car that is staggering you know you had like the gt40 they were changing the in they were changing the brake rotors multiple times per race because they were so heavily you know so heated up and abused
1: yeah yeah but i mean it it's um it's just amazing um because you were able to um i mean just just because it used to be the the idea the faster you could drive the better you're just going to win the race and then with with Audi's whole focus which changed Audi which changed way Porsche did it you know and now Toyota has jumped into it um, with their tS050 um it it really brought this whole mindset of let's let's think about this smarter rather than
0: right right more scalpel less sledgehammer
1: yeah now there is something to be said about the coolness of a sledgehammer
0: of course and that's what the gt40 was pretty much the ultimate embodiment of in terms of le mans um yeah but uh, but it's okay, so it's worth noting. Okay, so you said 2018 and 2019 Toyota won it all, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, there's a very important asterisk attached to those wins, which is that the TS050 was the only car in its class, it was the only LMP1 running. So the deal was as of 2018. FIA the um, federation Internacional Automobili uh, which is basically is the, the racing sanctioning body worldwide said if you want that all cars either have homologated streetcars or at least have a system in place that is attempting to develop homologated streetcars and So, you know, that means basically taking your car that you're racing with and making a version that's roughly similar that people can buy and and drive on the street. And Audi came in and went, nope, we're out. And Porsche, who is also part of Volkswagen Group, came in and went, nope, we're out. And Toyota said, yeah, I think we can do that. And so they are working on one. It's going to be, you know, over a million bucks and it may not ever come to fruition, but it's supposed to. Um, and that's why there's still still level to race in that category, because no one else is willing to uh, homologate an LMP1. I mean, you know, yeah. who Which has more money to right now? Well,
1: well, I mean, you know, it, it, probably the best way to look at this is, is that competition always breeds further advancements oh, and so forth. And, and, and I think you're going to have other people joining up and stuff like that. And I think we can start to kind of wind this down. I, I think we've kind of exhausted everything and stuff, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, what, what more can you say about Lamont? I mean, it's, it is classic, it's historic. Um, and uh, and I really hope that they do a really good job of um, of showing what it was like to drive these things during the golden era of, you know, of, of, of racing, you know, which was the sixties. What do you think?
0: Yeah. I think, I, you know, I'm very excited. I think uh, the next couple of of podcasts will focus more on the, on the personalities involved and, and how this whole thing came to came to be really. Um, And that whole kind of, well, I mean, as I see it, the important period and what's probably going to be in the movie is going to be roughly 64 to 66. Or 65 yeah, the, to 67. Yeah, the, somewhere yeah, the, in that early, range, right?
1: Yeah, early to mid-60s.
0: Right, they'll cover know, at least years. one year where Ford entered and lost. They'll cover at least one year or maybe two when Ford entered and won. And something around that, right? That's... because that's, that. I mean, it was called the GT40 because it was only 40 inches tall. It was the shortest car in the field by a, by a long shot. It was yep. – no one had ever seen anything like it before, and Ford had built it from the ground up. So we'll talk yeah. about this more next week, and uh, we'll see you next time.
1: All right. prover Matt.
0: Okay.